On this week's episode, I sat down with Nick Perugini to discuss the message and motivation behind the launch of his company, More Than Movement. Nick is a doctor of physical therapy, strength coach, and founder of a fitness-forward physical therapy and wellness company that leverages movement, neuroscience, and community to unlock the highest potential in the clients that he serves. Nick is one of the most passionate people in the performance space, and he has so much to share about the importance of community, connection, and quality care. If you're looking for something to ignite your spark and excitement for physical therapy and performance, this is the episode for you. Enjoy my conversation with Nick. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. Today, I'm joined by an awesome dude sitting in front of me, Dr. Nick Parangini. Nick, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, having me. I'm excited to catch up and talk a little bit today. Yeah, 100%. I've been following Nick for quite a while on social media, just seeing his journey, and he's definitely somebody that I see a lot of my values align with, so I'm really excited to just talk shop, see where you where you are now and what you've gone through to get there and uh, learn a lot from you, so... This will be awesome. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to dive in. Yeah. So let's just start out by if you could introduce yourself, tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah. Awesome. So what's going on, everyone? My name is Nick Perugini. So I'm a physical therapist here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Been practicing for about four years, you know, and, you know, really my my journey, you know, begins as a youth athlete, like like many of you guys. And, uh, you know, kind of long story short. I had, you know, my parents were both coaches and, you know, it, in the literal sense, you know, and just as people, right? Like they were just so helpful and loved coaching my, my, my youth sports. You know, eventually, you know, myself was into, uh, with a Temple University where I studied kinesiology. You know, during that time, I had so much experience coaching, right? I coached at the strength and conditioning level in the university. I had gotten my personal training um, cert my freshman year of college and started training people in the city. I started, uh, got my hand uh, into the CrossFit world and started coaching CrossFit, you know, all throughout undergrad, um, even into PT school, you know, kind of fast forward to today, 2022, you know, I just launched my business more than movement um, five weeks ago, you know, where, you know, we're helping the, you know, people, you know, in Philadelphia and around the world, you know, stay on the move, stay on the gym, you know, skip the hassle and, you know, annoyance of going through insurance and, and waiting rooms and, and just focusing on people moving. And um, it's been so fun to, you know, be on this journey and, you know, follow my path, follow my dreams. And I'm just excited to talk about today. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the abridged version of my journey. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love that you come from this background, of course, of being an athlete yourself, a lot of us start sure. in that same position, but you've seen movement in a lot of different ways, these different coaching, you know, camps that you've gotten into. And I'm somebody who, you know, very young in my PT and coaching career, but definitely respect the clinician or the coach who has dabbled in a few different things. So you can really have that holistic look at movement, right? I think there's a lot of people out there who were like really gung ho about, about CrossFit or about, you know, CSCS type principles. And in reality, the best clinician in my eyes can kind of put all of those things together. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, having there's, there's value in every little, in every system, in every camp, in every area, you know, and to be able to pull the good things um, from everything has been something that I've been, you know, very set on uh, in my journey. Right. It's like, there is something to learn from everyone, you know, even people you don't agree with uh, or in systems you don't agree with, there is something valuable there. There is something uh, that can help your practice. And and ultimately it's not even about your practice. It's about your client's outcomes. Yeah, definitely. And when I hear the phrase more than movement, I mean, when I saw you launch this, like you said, just a few weeks Mm -hmm. ago, super excited for you. And one of the things that really stuck out to me in the video that you posted about it was you saying, when you're here, you don't need to explain yourself. And I was like, that is it. it. So I would love for you to just dive into what you're doing with more than movement. You you spoke about it a little bit, but what is your message behind it? And what does movement mean to you? Yeah. 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 So it's, you know, it's funny, right? We kind of live in a society where, you know, you can almost be made to feel like an outcast for trying to better yourself. 
right? And that's, you know, physically, you know, mentally, you know, spiritually, whatever it is, um, you know, whether it's like being mindful of what you're eating or being consistent in the gym, right? Like sometimes depending on what circle you're in, um, but especially sometimes in healthcare, right? When you go to the doctor and you're explaining, Hey, yeah, this is my activity. I have a problem doing this activity. I'd like your help doctor to get back to this activity, right? Like that's not always approached with grace and acceptance. Sometimes it's approached with judgment, right? And, you know, that is that clinician's, you know, belief system, you know, being projected onto the, onto the client. And, you know, sometimes it can make you feel, make you feel um, like you're doing something wrong, right? Or like you're made to feel, you know, less than that clinician. And so, you know, that, that phrase, you know, when you're here, you don't have to explain yourself. The, the person I work with um, is striving for more, right? They want to be more. They understand how important their body is to, to be able to use it as a vehicle to experience their life, right? And that's truly what, you know, the body is, right? It's our vehicle literally to have experiences and to operate and to, to see things, to feel things, to experience things with the people that we love uh, at the, in the places that we love. And so, you know, when we're, when we're questioned about our activity or physical activity of choice by a clinician and said to, you know, why don't we just do something low impact like, yoga or swimming, right? It's easy on the knees, right? You, you know, you, you feel very put off. You're like, no, like this is my thing. I'm going to keep doing it. Are you going to help me or not? Right? So that's the concept is that I work with, you know, high performers. And all that means is it's people that do not want to be average, do not want to be at baseline, that understand that, that health, is not just this, the absence of disease, or it's not just the absence of pain, right? So being able to work with individuals on the spectrum of, you know, health to performance, right? Or sickness to health, understanding that, hey, for a lot of our, our people, like getting back to baseline or operating at baseline isn't the goal, right? So we have to be able to give better solutions for these individuals that meet them where they're at and where they want to go. And healthcare doesn't do that, right? It just, it just, it just is not equipped for that. And it's no one's fault. It's just, the, it's just the system is not prepared to work with that person at such an individual level with such specificity. So more than movement, what that means is like, it's not just about you running, Julie. It's not just about you know, you doing CrossFit. It's not just about, you know, you signing up for this half marathon and like committing to it. It's the feeling and the experiences that you get associated with that movement, right? And, and those experiences are fulfillment, right? Reward, self-worth, confidence, right? That not only impact your life as an individual, but also impact everyone's life around you. Right. When you're doing your thing and you're operating in a flow state and you're doing the activity that you love because you're bettering yourself, you know, you're getting better every day. You don't just get better. Everyone in your life gets better. Right. And so real quick tangent, my biggest fear is that someone either, you know, joins a gym that I'm a part of, comes to my clinic, goes to a doctor, right, whatever. They start making a positive change in their life. They're committed, they're going to the gym, they're exercising, they're losing weight because their doctor said, hey, you know, we're pre-diabetic right now, we're 50 pounds overweight, high blood pressure, we're on the meds, we're doing the things, we're in healthcare, you got to get it together. Hey, they start making a positive change, they're part of the community, they're doing a thing that they enjoy, that they're a part of, they're feeling fulfilled for once, and all of a sudden they get hurt, right? Which is not unusual, and they go to a, they go to a, they go to someone and they go, you know what, James, like, you know, maybe that isn't for you. You know, maybe, maybe just, just, just stop. Like just be, just play it safe. Right. And, and just do what you were doing. And why that's such a big deal 
is that now this person says, you know what, maybe this fitness thing, maybe this health thing wasn't for me, right? Maybe I just go back to what I was doing, right? Being sedentary, not meeting minimum exercise requirements, right? And that, again, not only impacts that person's life, but affects everyone in their life, their future children. It affects their relationship with fitness, with movement, with pain, right? With pain, right? And that's the, that's the, 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 the psychosocial, the social piece that trickles down in families, right? How you're, how you're um, raised, your relationship with, with pain, discomfort, fitness, health, et cetera. So that's my biggest fear. And it's a motivating factor of catching that person, right? And so while I love working with, you know, my professional athletes, guess what? I also work with this person who's kind of like right on the verge of it, it, like a turning point in their life of where am I going to go, right? Am I going to make this change in my life or do I just get older and keep doing what I'm doing? And if you get older and you keep doing what you're doing, you're declining. So that person I love working with because giving them a rock solid introduction and foundation to fitness, which is, you know, a medically supervised fitness to make sure you get three months of training in that can literally change your life. And in 90 days, you can change your life. Yeah. Wow. Nick, I just can't even express like how much everything you're saying is just like lighting me up right now. I have to say, I mean, I've heard you speak before and not only are you motivating, but from like a personal level of where I see myself in this world, in this field, um, everything that you're doing is the same thing that I want to do. So I'm just so grateful to, to watch you do your thing and know that, that people are out there doing this. And there's always going to be a community of people out there that, that have those similar values. And it's not to say that people who don't want those things are bad people, right? Like that's a great point that you made that some of us want to function above baseline. We want to maximize our potential as a human being. And that's awesome, but not everybody has to have no, those same wants, no, you know? No, no, no. And that's, that's a really powerful point, right? It's like everyone's on a different path and everyone has a different calling, right? And, and I first had this realization my first year of PT school. My first year of PT school, we had a Facebook group for our class, okay? And so, you know, me being me, I put together a list of a hundred people to follow on Twitter. Okay. You know, PTs, people I'm learning from strength coaches, like obviously like, yeah, learn on Twitter. Right. It's like the place to be sent to the group, you know, crickets. And I, I like, was just like shocked. I was just, I just couldn't believe it. Cause it, I, I was just so, I just could not believe it that no one cared. And I was like, wait a minute you know, your job, first of all, does not define you at all. Like how good you are at your job or like how much you care about your job does not define you at all. Right. The most important thing is that you're happy. The most important thing is that you're happy and you're living what uh, is fulfillment for you. Right. And so guess what? Having a family going fishing, like having a child, um, doing things that, you want to do like, that is the most important thing. Okay. Then you, then you have a career and you have, a, you know, those other things. And for most of the people that we're interacting with, like, that's the case. There are some crazy people out there, like, you know, probably the people that you have on this, on this podcast where, you know, what we do is a big part of who we are. Right. And that's a calling and it's not, anything else but that. Right. And like, that's okay. So I, I always respect what gives people fulfillment and never project like my personal preference or my personal bias on, you know, anyone else. And going back to, you know, your point of sometimes you feel uncomfortable for operating above baseline, right. Or not drinking or whatever it is. It's like, you know, what, what we're after when we're kind of making those decisions is a feeling, right? It's a feeling of, you know, being proud of yourself, right? It's a feeling of not holding on to like shame or guilt or anything like that. And when you can operate in that state of being, you hold so much more space for other people, right? To give um, and to inspire 
and to chase your calling. And sometimes when you're holding on to things that don't align with who you are, you can't show up as powerfully, right? So I'm all about making decisions for you um, to get you to be in that state where you're proud of yourself and you can operate and show up as the best version of you. And you know, when you're, you know, when you're there, like, you know, when you're aligned, it's a feeling, it's a feeling. Yeah, definitely. And I like what you said earlier too, about this, this demographic of a person who you love working with is that person that's on the cusp of really diving into behavior change. Like they're ready, they're there, but they, they need the tools, they need the guidance. And so many people, yeah, seriously. And so many people um, in my life recently in the last year, when asking me, you know, what are you going to do? Who do you want to work with? I'm a few months out of, out from graduation as I'm recording this. And many people based on my background, based on being a collegiate athlete kind of guess, Oh, you want to work with high level athletes. Right. And I'm beginning to say more and more. And now I know for a fact that it's not necessarily the high level person that I'm really after. Don't get me wrong. Working with those athletes is amazing. And it's not that I wouldn't enjoy it, but I freaking love that patient in front of me right now on clinical and outpatient clinic. Who's like, you know, I used to go to Orange Theory a bit, but then I got this shoulder problem and my doctor told me to stop. And I'm like, wait right there. Let's talk about this. And getting them back or that person who has wanted to start running, but is scared and doesn't know how. And just like you said, there's so much more power if you can take somebody from baseline forward rather than somebody who's already operating at a very, very high level. And I'm so glad that you're making that a reality because it's, it's awesome. And like you said, I mean, the impact of that, if we're chasing impact, it's monumental because that's going to affect them as a person, which will impact all of the people in their life. And it's, it's a chain reaction, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a big, that's, that's a, that's a really big deal, right? So I call that the what else phenomenon where you take someone who like the person that you're talking about. And guess what? Like you're training them, right? It's, 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 you're training them. What you're doing is you're creating adaptation in them, right? Whether it's strength or weight loss or some kind of change. And so the thing is like physical change is usually like the gateway drug of having this realization that who you are right now is not who you have to be because you actually see it. Right. You actually see physical changes happening and you're like, whoa, like actually I have my actions dictate my outcomes, meaning my current state is not permanent. And so, you know, sometimes on my stories, you know, what I do is I, I kind of ask my clients questions and those questions are, are, are specific to have them start thinking a little bit differently, right? About like what is kind of happening, right? Why they're there, how they're changing, right? How they're bettering themselves. Like what, you know, what are we actually doing here? And so, you know, that, that is called what else, right? When you start having a physical change, either, hey, you get out of, you're getting out of pain, whatever it is, you're getting stronger, you're losing weight, you're running your mile time faster. You're like, wait a minute, like, I could actually, you know, do this thing. Like, what else can I do that I thought I could not do? You know, that's, that's kind of the power, right? That's the impact. And that's, that's more than movement, right? It's what else. Um, so that concept is really important to me. It's why I ask those questions. It's why my conversations, you know, with my clients are, you know, just, just more, right? It's more, it's more than movement. Yeah. And that's the beauty that, of the model that you're working with and this, this platform that you're creating. And I, I'm 100% sure that you're going to have so much success with it because there is so much more to the body than just the physical side. And, you know, one of the hardest things for me in the clinic right now, I'm in a very busy, you know, three to four patients an hour style clinic. And not only do I not have a lot of time with the person because of that schedule, but because of the insurance companies dictating everything, it's like, if somebody's coming in for shoulder pain and I want to look at like their hips or their lumbar spine, my CI, nothing against him, but just because of insurance is like, whoa, 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 like stick, stick with the shoulder. But meanwhile, this patient's coming in and is like talking about their back. And I'm just like, oh, so 
you know, I, I dream of the day that we can break free from those fears of, are we going to get paid? Are we not going to get paid? And in reality, nobody's winning in that situation, you know? So, <laughs> and then I, I know I don't need to be telling you this, but not only that, you get to have those conversations about what drives somebody, what lights them up, like what is it that they're after and getting to know them on a personal level. I'm sure you have awesome experiences where clients are like, I've never opened up to a, a healthcare professional like this before. Like, do you feel like you have this relationship with clients that they're almost surprised by because they've had such different experiences with the medical field prior to? Yeah, for sure. You know, and, you know, truthfully, like, I don't even identify primarily as a healthcare provider, right? Like I identify more as a coach, um, you know, with a medical training, you know, in physical therapy, right? So, you know, it, it's, it's just tough, right? Because you look at the, the, the current model of physical therapy, it's like, I'm not playing that game, right? Because I played the game, I played that game and it's good and it works. Um, but, you know, for the kind of product and service that I want to deliver, it's just, it's not, not the right fit, right? So, you know, it, it, it's taken a lot of, you know, trial and error and experience, you know, four years of understanding like, okay, you know, I've been kind of, I've been, I coach people too. I've been in physical therapy. Hey, how can we kind of blend this thing to give people more access to me at a more affordable price point compared to like these high-end one-on-one deals and also leverage my time so I'm not working 10 hours a day, right? And so you can scale and you can grow and you can build. And, you know, the, the model that I've come up with um, is totally different than, totally different than what you think of when you think of physical therapy, right? Especially insurance. So it's a membership. And in that membership, you get big old, you know, 75 minute session with me to start, right? Deep dive. We get you set up on a coaching app. Okay. Individualized program every day delivered to your phone. You wake up, boom, it's right there on your, on your thing built by me. Okay. You have daily access on messenger feature. You can upload videos. I review those videos. I look at your form. I give you feedback daily on your thing in the membership. You get one visit a week. You come in if you're, you know, local one visit a week that you sign up for. And this is a coaching service. Now after the one-on-one you're moving to, to a coaching service where you come in once a week. You've got your in-person workout on your phone. So when you come in, boom, you're ready. This is what we're doing today. I oversee the execution of that program in the in-person feedback. Hey, that looks good. Great. We're going to bump up five, 10 pounds. Okay. Hey, you know what? That looks way too easy. Hey, I want you to try this. Move your knee a little bit this way. Okay. And we're going to do that in a small group model. So everyone that comes in for that session is doing their individualized program under my supervision. Okay. In a small group, three to five people. So it's coaching. It's individualized programming in small group setting with daily access virtually with a big old session up front to make sure we uncover where we're at. We're getting baseline measurements. We're setting our KPIs, setting out expectations of, Hey, here's where I'd like for you to be by week two, by week four, week six, week eight, whatever it is. And guess what? Some people sign up for that membership and stay in the membership and train and get stronger and get fitter, right? So it's not, the goal is not focused on, hey, what, what's the, the, you know what the worst game in physical therapy is? It's saying, am I going to be better next visit? Am I going to be better next visit? Am I going to be better next visit? That is the most stressful game in physical therapy, Right. So we take that out of the equation and say, hey, what we're going to do over this month is I'm going to equip you with knowledge and a skill set and reassurance and guidance. So this month, we're going to jam pack so much information in your brain that for the next five years, you're going to know how to manage anything that could ever come up. Right. So like this isn't just physical therapy. It's not just training. 
It's also a month for us to build and educate and learn. So you can learn about health, fitness, nutrition, movement, pain, whatever it is, right? And you can take that forever, right? So that's, that's, it's a different game. It's a totally different game. I'm just done, done with that, done with that game. Yeah, good. I mean, good for you. And it's, it's just, it's so important because all of those other things make a difference when we have that patient in front of us and we've all been there in the clinic where you've been seeing them for six weeks, eight weeks, and they're just really not making progress. The problem is not your intervention. It's not your physical therapy. It's something else in their life or it's something else in their body that we're not addressing. And unfortunately we have these like shackles that we can't really dive into those things in a lot of settings. And like, I mean, it's just, it's really, really cool. And I love that you, you're so passionate about this, that you're well aware that you're equipping clients with these tools that one day they might say, see ya, you know, I'm good. And you're totally cool with sending them on their journey, right? Like putting in this time, getting them to where they need to be, and then seeing them excel the rest of their life with these tools that you gave them. Yeah. And, and so just a real quick note on that, you know, one, one of the things that I probably is honestly has become my most like highlighted like kind of skill in the past, maybe two years is storytelling. Okay. So our ability to kind of use analogies, use stories, use examples, you know, tie things in from like, you know, cultural events into education on like pain on kind of like maybe scientific concepts around adaptation or progressive overload or said principles or, you know, irritation and sensitivity, whatever it is. And it's so important because people will never remember your PT term, right? They'll just never remember it. So again, we talk about like educating, like people remember the story right? They remember the example. They remember like the real life object that they can like visualize and see it, you know? And that's such an important concept because again, real life people will not remember your medical terminology, right? They remember the story. That's funny, right? That, that provokes an emotion or like an aha moment. So, you know, when I talk about like giving people these tools and skill sets, again, that's what I have is, you know, a bunch of recorded videos as well that automatically sends out every week for these learning lessons, right? And these concepts around, you know, consistency around, you know, how, how do we actually get stronger, right? Like we, I think sometimes as PTs and strength coaches, we overlook that, like we don't, people don't know how you get stronger, right? It's just, okay, you just show up and do the thing. How does that work? How, how, how can we explain that? Right. How can we explain capacity? Right. How can we explain like how, why someone gets hurt when they go run five miles if they haven't run in six months? Right. Like that's, we should be able to, that should be common knowledge and we should be able to explain it in a way that like makes sense and doesn't make people feel stupid. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the most complicated things to explain, not only because it's maybe complex for the patient or client to understand, but also because from a practitioner standpoint, depending on our education, we may not even have a good grasp, but is pain. Um, And I know that this is something that you're very interested in. I know you're a part of the level up community, which is something I've started to dabble into recently. And those guys are talking a lot about the importance of the way that we communicate, you know, the processes behind this. But one of the biggest problems that I've heard of, and I'm starting to see now is that many clients come into us as coaches, as therapists, and have these negative, fearful beliefs around their injury, maybe around the pain that they're experiencing. And I know in your model, you know, you're still facilitating ways for the patient to move or the client to move despite the pain. So can you just talk a little bit about like, how do you approach this client in front of you who has a lot of fearful beliefs around their injury or around movements in general? I love this question. And I think this is the hardest thing for students to, to to see and understand um, how, for me, like my, I've been on, I, I operate at both ends, like extreme ends, I would say, of 
like movement and biomechanics and training and also explaining pain, right? And like talking about pain, talking, talking about neuroscience, um, you know, and again, it's like, I, I think there, I'll, put, I'll say this, there is always a way to train really hard in pain, like hard. I mean, like RPE eight, nine, even going to failure in some things. And I think understanding biomechanics and levers and, and proximal uh, positioning of ribcage and pelvis can be really helpful in understanding that when someone is in a position, okay, we can manipulate their position or their technique to stress certain areas of their body. Okay. Now, obviously in our assessment, what are we doing? We're trying to understand, Hey, what positions, what patterns, um, are sensitive, what amount of load, right. Creates a sensitivity, right. So like low tolerance, for example, but also understanding that by changing position, we're also changing stress on a certain area of the body, right? So we're loading different structures, maybe that aren't as sensitive and that can withstand a certain amount of load. So when someone is in pain, okay, and it's reproducible at a certain position, pattern, and load, they don't know that they can probably do it a different way, right? because they're just scared to try. And like, understandably, they're in protect mode, right? The entire system is in protect mode, okay? So understanding that's a really important concept is that on assessment, what do we wanna do? We wanna understand how we're reproducing this thing, right? The, the positions, the patterns, and the load, okay? We need, we need to be able to get that, okay? Then we need to go into coach mode and we need to be able to say, listen, we're going to try, we're going to try this thing. And maybe we are getting specific on how their, how their body is positioned, right? Maybe we are thinking about technique a little bit more because we want to get this person actually moving at a higher RPE at a higher, you know, intensity or effort without reproducing their pain. Or maybe we even do reproduce it a little bit, right? But we do have to understand how the position of our body and the technique and the pattern that we're performing, how that stresses certain tissues and reproduces chief complaint or symptoms. And again, reproducing symptoms is not always bad, but if we, if we talk about it from a coaching standpoint, right, there are going to be times where, listen, like right now, if you had, if you had knee pain right now, Julie, and, and you were under the bar and you were squatting, like, what would you do? Right. You would probably just be like, okay, I'm going to move my feet out a little bit. Like I'm going to put a bench under my butt. Like I'm going to, I don't know, do a few reps, maybe not go as heavy. That's coaching. Yeah. For right? me, it's, it's usually, not, uh, usually the heel lift sounds the knee issue yeah, for me. Pop a heel <laughs> up, right. Just like do something else. Okay. And not that that is the solution. Right. But in the, you know, in the terms of Greg Lehman, sometimes it, it is as simple as, hey, we're calming things down and we're building back up. And that's why I'll use the model of uh, expose and protect, right? And when you're understanding like when to poke something, right, we want to understand irritability, right? How quickly something gets peed off, okay? And guess what? If something is quickly getting peed off and we're hearing that in the subjective we're seeing that in our physical assessment. Guess what? Like, I'm not going to go punch the bear in the face where I'm going to like, we're going to seduce it, right? We're going to be, we're going to be easy. We're going to go in and out, we're in and out, right? Or we're going to do something that I know is probably safe. And that stresses different tissues because we're in a different load pattern and position. So you're, then we're getting feedback on how they respond to those things. And we're making a conscious, a, a informed decision in that, hey, guess what? We can start exposing them to a little bit more, right? Their body is responding how we expect it to respond. Great. Let's dose it a little bit more, right? And so it's this dial. But the dial 
incorporates those factors that we're talking about. It, it, it incorporates understanding the person's body language. It incorporates listening to the, their fears or hesitations, right? Watching them actually do the thing, right? You're like, oh, like they look pretty confident. Okay, they're sweating, they're shaking. Like the position looks good. Like their form looks good. Okay, great. How's it feel? Oh, I have two out of 10 pain, but like, this is hard. I really feel my quad. Like, okay, good. Like that's, that's where we need to be. Like keep holding. Like, oh, actually, you know, the third set, it got better. You're like, oh, okay. Like, let's, let's that's, keep, that's let's, the best, <laughs> right? Let's keep going. Right. So that is, and then, then what happens in that moment, right? Is they broke expectations that movement was dangerous or it was painful. And so now we talk about like, Hey, like, you know, you kind of wrote that off for the past three months. And like, you did that today. And like, did you have pain on that last night? They're like, no. Like, what'd you feel like? My quad was burning and the technique looked good, right? From our end. So the, 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 the real meets the feel, right? The real is like, you know, how it's, how, how it's looking, how the experience is and the feel is what they're, what they're actually experiencing, right? When the real meets the feel, when it looks good and it feels good, oh man, we're cooking. So that is the, that's the tie-in. That's the circle of biomechanics strength and conditioning, pain science, neuroscience, communication, and biopsychosocial. That is it. That's, that's awesome. And I mean, we talked about earlier, it's multifactorial and having a good understanding of all of those things is challenging because there's a lot to it. But if you're truly passionate as a coach, as a clinician on getting people better in every way possible, like those are the, the frameworks that are important. And I love the way that you explain, like, it's this, it's kind of this balance, this back and forth. And I'm sure with each client, it's a little bit different of how much you're focusing on the action, the task the doing, you know, giving those biomechanical cues versus the communication aspect. How much education does that client want or need? You know, yeah. even, you know, in a not performance setting right now, just an outpatient clinic, there are certain patients that respond really well to educating and explaining, you know, yeah, like we want to activate the lat when we do this because it's going to help stabilize. And then there are other patients that you're like, just tell them to do it. And they're going to respond best to that. So there's that, there's that in between space, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the feel, right? Like that is, you know, again, I, I kind of, I kind of say, you know, physical therapy is a series of first dates, right? It's just a bunch of first dates every single day, hour after hour. And like, you know, it, or interviews, or, you know, it's like, you're going to change your style and your approach based on what you're getting or, and, and what you're seeing. And you need to be able to, you know, read that and be flexible and adapt. You know, if you're giving the same, you know, style and delivery to every person, it's not, it's not going to work. Or you're going to get frustrated because you're going to say, oh, this person doesn't respond well, or like this person doesn't want to work, or this person isn't motivated. It's like, that's your job is to kind of find the thing, right? You're trying to find the thing that gets them to like, do what you want them to do. Um, Before you, before you project it on the patient, on the client, look inward first, ask yourself, what can I be doing better to really get through to this person? Yeah. 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 That's that's a whole, that's a whole different beast of a concept of looking inward as healthcare professionals working with people all day and all life. And like, you know, yeah, that's, 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 that's just the <laughs> so many rabbit holes that you can go down. We can go down. Um, now, one thing I want to ask you about, you mentioned that you go on Instagram stories and kind of bring up these thought provoking concepts. And I'm a big fan of them, even not being a client of yours, but they really get me thinking. And one thing that you said recently that really stuck out to me was this concept of your clients not having enough time for the quick fix. And I love the way that you say that because it sounds, you know, almost like a little counterintuitive, but just go ahead and explain, like, what do you mean by that? Somebody not having enough time for the quick fix. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is a, this is a really good question. Um, that I'm, I think I'm still finding the answer to, but I'll try my best to uh, get some words out on this. You know, I think a lot of times a, a quick fix is truly a, a coin flip, right? Like, obviously there are times where 
you know, we, we use our clinical prediction rules and we use evidence that we're getting to like perform an intervention. And sometimes it's, it's a home run, but like a lot of times it's not. And we have to define home run, right? Because home run could mean, Hey, I'm getting out of pain for, you know, 24 hours. And like, that's what I needed in that moment. And like, we shouldn't feel bad about helping people like literally be able to get out of pain, like excruciating pain quickly. You know, that I, I think that that is a valuable uh, tool and valuable piece, but for others, right. Depending on the, on the condition, right. That's, that's truly the thing, right. It's like, depending on the condition, um, a lot of times quick fixes just aren't warranted. They might mask their symptoms for a temporary period of time, but for, for the individuals that require a certain level of like tissue tolerance, tissue compliance and capacity, quick fix isn't going to be it, right? It, it, we need some kind of adaptation. You know, we just need some kind of, you know, change. We need some kind of stressor most likely, right? And, you know, the thing is tissues take time, right? Tissues take time to respond. Um, especially if we're, if we're thinking about someone who's performing that has been dealing with something for a while, maybe has, did not rehab fully from maybe like a, you know, a naggle or like a little tweak or whatever it is like that person needs to be in it. And let's say you put in two to three weeks of work versus of hard work versus going get a quick fix, being good for three days, having another setback, even worse, getting a quick fix again, didn't work. And now you're set back eight, 12 weeks. Right. So that's, that's kind of what I mean. It's like, sometimes you have to just say, okay, this, this chapter right now, these next two to four weeks are dedicated to addressing this thing head on. Right. This is like, this is my priority now. And it's all I'm going to, it's what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to invest up front. I'm going to put in the work and I'm going to do the thing and address it because I've been putting it off instead of saying, man, like this thing is really annoying. I'm going to go find a quick fix and try and mask this thing up. Okay. It works temporarily, but zoom out big picture. You're trying to take a shortcut. Okay. And anything worthwhile, meaningful, important, you can't take shortcuts. Right. So that's the thing in that process of putting in work and, and addressing the thing that you've been putting off. Guess what? You also learn about yourself, right? You also change, right? You also are doing hard things, right? And when you do hard things, you rewire neural circuits that allow you to do that again and have it be easier in the future that let you know when this comes up again, you know what, you know what you have to do, right? You know, you, you know what you have to do. Yeah. And definitely. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. That's it. That's it. All right. All right. No, that's awesome. And one thing like that I think is really important. And again, it's going to be different depending on the client in front of you, but how focused is this person on the long game? You know, if it's somebody coming to you who truly cares about longevity, sustainability, the quick fix isn't going deep enough to really create the changes that we need to maximize fitness for the long term, right? But if it's somebody who just is in pain, yep. they don't really give a shit why they yep. just want it out. Maybe the quick fix is okay. Yep. Um, one thing that popped into my head, another physical therapist who I really look up to, um, his name is Jeff Moore. He's the CEO of the Institute of Clinical Excellence. And one thing that Absolutely. he says, yeah, one thing, one thing that he says um, a lot is as physical therapists, our goal should be to manage symptoms to maximize fitness. And I love that, that framework because step one is, yeah, like let's manage your symptoms. Let's do some interventions. Let's do some manual therapy. Like let's turn down that knob so that we can then do the hard things, maximize fitness, create real adaptation. There's a place for both of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Ice, uh, ice, their first step is put the fire out. Right. So, you know, whatever that means to you, whether it's a manual intervention, desensitizing techniques, all about it. Um, and again, like manual therapy can really be really powerful in that moment because what is it, what is, what is getting out of pain after manual therapy, like kind of say, 
it says what I'm feeling is not permanent. Right. And so again, that can be, that can be like an introduction into, you know, adaptability. Right. Which is promising, especially when you, you know, have someone who's been, you know, in pain for five years, right. Like to just have a, a, a piece of hope that, Hey, like I can do this. So all about that, all about that, you know, um, yeah, so I'm 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 100 on board with with kind yeah. of that, that thought process. Yeah, definitely. Now, many people who are dealing with pain or an injury, especially when it keeps them from doing something that they love, something that they identify with, they often feel disappointed and discouraged, and are kind of in this negative headspace. Maybe when they're first coming in to work with you, how do you help clients overcome these negative, discouraged thoughts and feelings and shift their mindset to a more positive way of thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. What, what can we control? We're like literally what things in your life right now in this present moment, can you can control and you know, what might be helpful is to make a list and to say, what are, what are, what are the non-negotiables in your life right now that, you know, if you do them every day, you're gonna be proud of yourself. You're going to be mentally clear you're going to be focused. You're going to be productive. You're going to make more money. You're going to be happier, right? You're going to be fitter, right? You're going to feel, you're going to have more energy, right? Your body will look better. Like, what are those things? And it's, it's so different for everyone, right? But part of the, the issue with pain is sometimes that you feel you have no control, zero control of this thing that's happening to me. Okay. So instead we have to say, we got to start here and say, what can I have control over? Okay. You have control over a lot of things, a lot of things. And that might just be saying, Hey, wake up when I say I'm going to wake up. Right. 30 grams of protein in 30 minutes. Right. Work out, move for an hour a day. But my favorite one is I have to put my phone in this lockbox for 90 minutes, <laughs> right? Like that's literally on my checklist. I, I've got to get one of those. Right. So yeah, you do. Um, everyone does. I make my friends put them in when they come over. So it's like, all right, phones <laughs> in, go, put them away. That's like, that's like when you're in middle school and everybody, yeah. you get, you go to the dinner table and mom's like, put your phones in the middle. Yeah. yeah put your phones, awesome. in. your phones in. We're hanging out. Um, but you know, it's kind of that, that's a big piece for me right is like understanding hey what can we control okay that's a that's a big piece and listen if we can get someone to again sometimes we can't play the same game right we can't like we can't be so focused on it we have to focus on inside first right because life is a mirror and sometimes we take control over that things start changing because we're still going to be addressing like, you know, the biomechanical stuff and the tissue capacity stuff and the irritability stuff and the sensitive. We're going to take care of that. But what could be rocket fuel is if we start changing what we do. Right. And that's for me, this framework of, you know, our thoughts and beliefs about ourselves or about pain or about whatever it is dictates our actions and behaviors. It's like what we're actually doing. Right. So if we think that we have no control over anything that happens to us, our body, our pain, our symptoms, guess what? Our, if that's our thoughts and beliefs, what are our actions going to be? Whatever. Like, okay, it's happening to me. Now I'm just, now I'm just, I'm a victim. And what's going to happen is going to happen. So why even make an effort? What are the, what are the outcomes of that? Not just pain, but also like, like, I don't know, depression, uh, help, you know, hopelessness, right. Despair, give up versus thoughts and thoughts and beliefs or thoughts and, um, thoughts and beliefs about like, Oh, wait, let me take control. Let me try and take control over the things to be better. What happens? We start doing like healthier things, right. Yeah. That are not just like my opinion, but like, you know, drinking water, like moving, like meeting minimum exercise requirements, like eating some green things, um, like making time for social connection, whatever it is, 
in your non-negotiables? And what are the outcomes of just doing better quality things? You have higher caliber things, you have higher caliber outcomes, right? So the thoughts and beliefs are important, right? And that's why like the education is important, right? Because it changes what we do. What we do changes what we get, obviously. Yeah, it's all, no, it's all related. And I love that you, you kind of started out there talking about like shifting this locus of control. There are so many people, even unrelated to pain, there are so many of us walking around that feel totally out of control in life and people are letting life happen to them rather Mm -hmm. than making life happen for them. And I've become super passionate about all things mindset, but especially around, you know, habit creation and high achievement. And from a, you know, physical perspective, our brain, just like we train muscles to get stronger and get better and function more efficiently, our mind works the same way. So if you're in a shitty, if you're in a shitty headspace, that's going to manifest in other ways in your body too. But if you can start inward first, start with those positive thoughts, start with those positive affirmations, start with building that confidence. It feels so silly in the beginning because you're like, this isn't going to work. Like I'm talking to myself, but your, your mind, your brain is listening to everything you say. And, you know, one of the staples for me, you mentioned your, some of your non-negotiables, like morning gratitude is something I started almost two years ago and I haven't missed a day and it's part of who I am now. And, you know, getting that daily movement, doing some mindfulness, social connection. I've realized, um, actually because of my whoop, shout out to whoop. I know you wear one too. Um, tangent here, but I've been noticing random days where I've had really high recoveries that had nothing to do with like the typical things I was tracking, blue light glasses, workouts, whatever. And I was making these connections that I think it was after days that I spent with friends or family. There were even days where I met up with friends and I had some drinks. It's like, oh, the alcohol is going to kill my recovery, but I was still high. So I started tracking that feeling socially fulfilled. It totally influences your physical body. So all of that being said, guys, just like Nick said, like there is so much in your life that you can control no matter what your circumstances are. If you care enough, if you give a damn, like I see in Nick's background right now, there are things that you can take into your hands and it will trickle down. It will manifest not only mentally, physically, professionally, everything. So thanks for talking about that. Yeah. I would say the last thing on being there for people in pain is, you know, trying to make sense of it. Right. And like trying to make sense of like, why, like, why is this happening? You know? And I really do believe like, you can use pain to transform, right? And sometimes it's hard to think about it this way, but um, when you have pain, you can use it to evolve, you know? And, you, and again, I just put this post up about like, you know, Donald Miller, you know, building a story brand. He talks about, you know, how every superhero movie, it starts with the main character, you know, abandoned, weak, you know, orphaned and, you know, not just literal sense, but like orphaned as in like, no one cares about you, right? It's dark, it's gloomy, it's wet, it's raining. Like that's every superhero movie starts like that. And then what do they do? Like this person like gets beat down, but they kind of like come back and they step up to something, right? They kind of like put their, they go, you know, what? enough is enough you know, and they, they stand up for something and they do hard things. Right. And it doesn't happen overnight, but eventually they overcome. And the reason why superhero movies like that are so you know important is like, because you understand where they started from, right? Like if you only win, if you only have happiness, if you only have success, if you only have all these things, you don't have this contrast right? This spectrum of emotion and life and feelings and sensations. And so while pain sucks, right? Obviously it sucks. How can we find meaning, right? How can we find hope? Right. And that's where, you know, overcoming becomes so important and knowing, and you have to believe that, Hey, what we're doing right now is literally in the moment, rewriting your story, right? It's rewriting your next chapter. And there's lag time in that what we do right now doesn't pay off for a little bit, 
But if you believe and you're steadfast, the lag time is the test. Like how bad do you want it? Right. If you can stay in there and hold on and keep doing the work, we're going to be a superhero. But it doesn't happen. Nick, you said that one of your skills that's become very strong is telling stories. And that one, that (laughs) analogy, that's that's awesome. That one hit? Good. Yeah, that one hit. I I totally love that. Now, I want to just dive real quick into lifestyle a little bit. We know that sustainable fitness is created not just in the gym, but especially outside of the gym, outside of these sessions with your coach. So what are some fundamental lifestyle factors that you tend to address with your clients? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't dive deep in nutrition, but I definitely talk about it. Right. I, I talk about, I definitely talk about like minimum protein requirements for people. I think generally, especially our, our people who are, you know, working out pretty hard and resistance training, especially like are a lot of them are underfueled um, in that capacity. So I do provide some education on and have some templates on, uh, you know, basic, basic nutritional principles. Right. Um, especially kind of in the, in the protein world. And I have some, again, supplemental materials that I'll, that I'll hand out, but I'm not, I wouldn't not, I wouldn't say I'm a nutrition, um, coach, you know, again, the, the, the other thing is like education on your journey and understanding that you cannot look at things from a micro approach, Right especially when you're in pain, you have to look big picture. And so what that means is like making good decisions when you don't feel like making good decisions. An example of that would be being able to like confidently modify workouts uh, and, or what you have planned for that day. So flexibility and understanding that one workout is not going to make you one workout is not going to break you. And so saying, Hey, like there's probably a difference between like hitting a really hard workout, feeling drained. And like, especially if you're not feeling good that day, like going for a 30 minute walk, right. Going for a 60 minute walk and understand that that decision in the moment may not be what your ego wants to do, but maybe what's best for you. And for a lot of the clients that I'm working with, Hey, your training age, let's say how, how long have you been resistance training, Julie? Consistently, probably about six years. Six years. And how long do you feel like you're going to want a resistance train for? Oh, until I'm in the grave. Till I'm six feet under. Till you're six feet. Yeah. So, you know, you're in your, you know, first 20th chapter, right? You're in chapter one out of 20. And so it's like, <laughs> you know, when you look at it that way, like, whoa, like, okay, um, this, I got a long way to go here. And it kind of like removes the pressure a, l- a little bit, right? In that moment of just saying, you know what, like, I got to live to see another day, right? So having a healthy relationship with that concept and putting it in perspective, every client wants to work until I die. Like every person I want to work at, who I work with, like wants to keep moving, wants to stay active. And so like, let's make sure that happens because we don't want to have a fitness issue turn into a health issue, right? How often do we see, you know, that happen? Is like, hey, we were working on a fitness, you know, issue and all of a sudden it robbed me of my health, right? That's just unacceptable because we have to remember why we started in the first place. Um, And so, you know, there's that and, you know, I I would like to say mindfulness a little bit as well, right? So, you know, I do have some of my clients that are in like one of my my higher kind of package programs, the 90-day program. Um, you know, gratitude journal, right. And do the non-negotiables, right. And keep the promises to yourself, right. That's all part of it. And they get access to the kind of some recordings of me talking about these concepts a little bit more, you know, in depth, right. Which I call reframing, right. It's reframing your, how we're looking at the world, right. How we're thinking about pain, how we're thinking about ourselves, how we're thinking about performance, um, how we're thinking about shitty situations, like whatever it is, um, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it can be really helpful for some people that, that need that, like that want that extra bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, all of that considered, it's just a matter of looking at these other factors of your life, being self-aware. That's another thing that I've become very um, interested in personally over the last, I'd say like two years is that when you feel out of control in your life, you likely don't have a good understanding of like, what are your habits? What are you doing when you wake up? 
What yeah. time are you going to bed at night? Like it's hard, but when you start paying attention, like little things, like when you're sitting down to eat, put your phone away and like focus on like what's in front of you, focus on the task at hand. We go through life so unaware of what the hell's going on and it causes problems. It's, it's aware. I mean, it's, it's a problem. So like self-awareness is huge. And I'm glad that that's something that, you know, you're, you're doing with your clients. Yeah. I, I call that, you know, there really are only two sources of stress, you know, the things that happened, right? Like our past. And we can think about like, Hey, how, how horrible that situation went or, you know, how stressed we are about a certain encounter, whatever it is. And also anticipation, right? What is going to happen? How this thing is going to go. Those are expectations, right? And like those things are all horrible, right? They're paralyzing, right? We're worrying about what happened. It's done, obviously. And what's going to happen. And a lot of times it doesn't happen like that because we project, we use what happened in the past to predict what's going to happen in the future. And a lot of times, like our memory is not that great and our expectations are actually wrong. And now we just get worked up about it. And so that's why, you know, be understanding presence um, is, is super important as you're mentioning. Yeah, definitely. That's something that's really relatable to me right now. I actually just put out a podcast last week about this because I've got a lot going on in my life right now, personally with graduating soon, like a lot of things yep. and a lot of focusing, uncertainty. yeah, a lot of uncertainty. uncertainty, like you said. And I think it's, it's so important to set goals, have intentions, have an idea of where you see yourself and where you want to go, but having that flexibility along the way, you know, maybe having an idea of what your end goal is, but the path to getting there can vary, right? Yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Nick, I am totally in awe of everything we talked about today. I feel like we could go on forever. This was a great, great conversation. Um, I just want to wrap things up with one final question that all of my guests receive. Mm. This podcast, the Goal Set Mindset podcast is centered around setting goals and achieving them with the principles of passion, perseverance, and performance. So tell me, Nick, what's a personal goal that you have right now and how are you working towards it? Mm, that's great. Yeah. So my goals have shifted, um, from, you know, these personal goals of, Hey, like being successful in a lot of different realms. Right. So, you know, my business is like my baby right now. Right. And so, you know, with that comes like time and money and like just different, different things, like different problems that, you know, you don't, you didn't have in the past, but right now my goal is to create this business that employs amazing people and to pour into them like so hard so that their families can feel it, right? Their future children can feel it. You know, obviously the clients can feel it and to be able to operate as a physical therapist and coach, um, you know, making more money that you could ever imagine as a physical therapist, right? Cause they deserve it. Um, and to have like this sense of fulfillment and reward, you know, knowing that what they're doing is exactly what they're supposed to be doing and exactly where they need to be and give them that opportunity. So li- so again, they can have the most rewarding, fulfilled life that, again, goes beyond them, right? It goes beyond me, it goes into their families, it goes into their friend groups and it impacts then the clients, right? And their families and their friends and their children, right? So that's why I get up now is like, and that's why like I'm growing this thing as, as, as fast and as, as badass as I can to try and build that reality, right? I love teammates, I love having a team. I love in services and growing and balancing things off people and being there for my people. And so that is my number one goal right now is to, you know, have that team, you know, grow by the end of the year, add on two other PTs, two other coaches to execute the, the model that I built. Um, I'm moving into my own spot here in a month. And hopefully another year we'll grow out of that and be ready to go bigger and better. 
Awesome. Nick, that's amazing. You are, you're one amazing guy that, you know, your goals now are set not only on yourself, but on your future teammates, like you said, your future clients, all these other people. So not about you. It's not about you. Yeah. I'm, I'm so blessed that we've crossed paths and to be following you on your journey, to be supporting you. Um, I'm not too far away from Philadelphia, so I would definitely love to get together sometime and, you know, meet up, but this was amazing. Now, can you just tell the listeners where can they reach out to you, support you, um, work with you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, probably easiest way to get me is, is on Instagram, right? Nick Perugini TPT. Um, you know, email as well, uh, for more serious inquiries, you know, Nick at, um, uh, more than movement MVMT.com. Right. And, and those things, uh, those things will be solid. So awesome. Yeah. yeah throw those in the show notes for anybody to reach out to you, Nick. Thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. This was absolutely awesome. Hell yeah. I'll see ya. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. I hope this one left you feeling inspired to put your best foot forward in your own fitness and with the people that you work with. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love if you shared it on social media and tagged Nick and I so we can thank you personally for the support. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we will be back next week with another episode.